Welcome to the Location Indie Podcast, an unfiltered, behind-the-scenes, no-holds-barred look at the realities of the location-independent lifestyle from two guys who are living that lifestyle. I'm Trav. And I'm Jason. We're the co-founders of Location Indie. And you may have noticed there was no timer in this episode, Trav. Yes, that's because once a month, we're going to be rolling out a very special bonus episode for you where we're highlighting one of our Location Indie members and their story of how they became location independent. We're going to be doing that today. So let's get into it. Each person's location independent journey is unique. We all have our own creative approach to business, to travel, and how we blend everything together to manifest our ideal lifestyle. One of the things that inspires me most every day in and out is when I see location indie community members consistently taking action towards their goals and leaning on the location indie community along the way for support and advice while also giving back. So each month, we highlight one member who's putting in the work it takes to make things happen, not only to recognize their efforts, but also so we can learn from their wins and, of course, learn from their setbacks. So I'm excited to welcome this month's Location Indie Member of the Month, Claire. Congrats, Claire, and a huge LI welcome. Thanks. You'll notice I didn't say your last name. Yeah, because you don't know how to pronounce it, do you? forgot. That's right. (laughs) So why don't you say it for us so we all know? Panacea. Claire Panacea. So thanks, Claire, for joining us. Awesome. Super excited to have you as this month's LI Member of the Month. Start by telling people what you do, your websites, like what is your life encapsulated now? So I uh, do a lot of dabbling, um, but my main thing right now is clairepanacea.com, which is uh, kind of focused on helping solopreneurs and online entrepreneurs with SEO and driving traffic in a long-term strategy way. At first, I started by offering services uh, and consult calls, and I've kind of basically just been dabbling with different kinds of ways that I can help people. And I've kind of, right now I'm focused on digital products and and eBooks. How did you decide to get into the realm, the SEO realm and, and kind of the stuff that you're spinning off now from that? Was that something that you had done before or was that something that you had built up because of your own project and you thought, Hey, I'm pretty good at this. So I started uh, about a year and a half ago. I used to work in a crappy cubicle job at a company that their whole thing was that they said that they helped small business owners with SEO. And I was in the call center portion of it. And I had a number of accounts assigned to me and I would have calls with these people every month to check in with them and answer their questions and usually re-explain to them over and over again what SEO was. Um, and so I didn't like the way the company was doing things. I felt felt that they weren't really actually helping with SEO because there was a big educational piece missing because I was explaining the same thing over and over again. So obviously we weren't making progress, but we were still making their, taking their money. And I just, I felt there was a big um, gap in the way that they were doing things and the way that it should be done. And so I obviously also wanted to be location independent. And so I quit to start a travel blog and I had already taught myself a bunch of stuff about blogging and SEO and digital marketing to make the travel blog work. And then I ended up not really being as jazzed as I expected by the travel blog, but I really liked the online marketing part. And so basically I took everything I learned at my job and then taught myself on the side as well and targeted people that I enjoy hanging out with and talking to. So online solopreneurs. 
And I want to unpack that in just a second. The idea that you you started one way and then, you know, we can use a business term like pivoted or whatever, or it might even be more than a pivot. It might be like a leap to something different. But before we get into that, one of the things you said in there, you said, all right, of course, I want to be location dependent. And obviously, people listening can relate to that. They're like, yeah, I, I mean, we're all here because we want to be location dependent. And that's something that we're striving for. But when did that idea of being location independent take a hold for you? Like, when did that start to percolate in your mind? When did you even know that that was an option or a thing? So I um, went on a solo backpacking trip to Europe for five weeks, one summer in college. And that was a huge transformative healing experience for me because my mom had just died. And so I went on this solo kind of cathartic trip. And then I did my study abroad in Italy, in Florence. And cumulatively, that whole experience of being abroad and being somewhere totally new in a totally new culture with nobody I knew was really impactful for me. And I'd always been fascinated by other cultures and and other countries my whole life, but I'd never really had the opportunity to do a lot of traveling. And so ever since that experience, I'd always wanted to go back to Europe to hit the road again, to experience more cultures. Asia is a, a part of the world that I still haven't been to. So then after college, I had the opportunity to be an au pair in Paris. And of course, I leapt on it, but then I got fired after two months. Wait. All right. You got to tell us that story then. Yeah. So I got fired after two months and I lost my apartment because that was part of my salary. And so I was homeless for a month in Paris because I still had a month of the French class that I'd already paid for. So that was an adventure. So I, I did that all wrong. And I didn't have any kind of community base or any strategy to build a community there. And so I ended up just being totally feeling really alone. And I ended up really depressed. And so I went home to try to figure out what I want out of travel uh, now, as opposed to when I was younger. So you came home and, and you said you were in that crappy cubicle job. When you took that cubicle job, was it did you think of it as, all right, this is a stepping stone towards something else? Or were you thinking, all right, I, I don't know what else to do. Like, this might be it. Maybe I've had a good run. You know, maybe I'll travel here and there and, and just kind of work my way through a regular lifestyle or a regular job. Um, I wanted something that would involve my writing skills. I have a creative writing degree. And so I was tired of being a waitress. And job hopping and being a secretary. So I was like, well, let's try this whole online marketing thing. I have no idea what that's all about, but there's some writing required. Okay. Yeah. And so that, and so you got that job and how quickly did you realize that this is not for me? Like this is like a cubicle is not going to cut it for me. Pretty quickly. <laughs> okay. Like Pretty day quickly. one, day one, like you get in, you're yeah, like, yeah, oh wait, there's a cubicle the here. Def- yeah, definitely within the first month, but I was determined to reach the one year mark. And I literally hit the one year mark the day before my last day there. All right. So you set a goal, uh, which is cool. You set a goal or you set a thing of, I'm going to do this and, and make it to this point, And then mm-hmm. you figured out a way to transition out of it. What did the transition look like? Like, did you already have people set up to freelance? Were you like, I'm just going to get out of here and figure it out as I go? I had a bit of a savings that I'd built up and while I was there and I just kind of, I built the website kind of during my clocked in hours at my cubicle. And uh, then I just kind of 
left and then I winged it. <laughs> just so easy like that. <laughs> like, okay. Whatever. All right. So you winged it and you talked about the fact that you thought travel blog, like you thought, all right, I'm going to do a travel blog and that's going to be my thing. And then you quickly realized I wasn't as, as you said, in your words, you weren't as jazzed about that as you were about online marketing. So talk about that switch, because I think a lot of people end up getting stuck in the, like they think their first idea is the idea that's going to take them to whatever level, like this is going to break me free and this is what I'm going to do. And I think even myself get in this mindset of, all right, this is who I am, or this is what I'm doing. Like, this is my plan and are scared to, to switch it up because that wasn't what we thought when we first left our job or when we first tried to go location independent. So like the switch for you, I don't know. You seem like you just did it. It was okay. You weren't scared. It was no big deal. I mean, I've always been someone who has my finger in a whole bunch of different pies. So I had my travel blog on the docket and I also had so that was explorography.org. And then I also had clairepanacea.com. And that was just going to be my freelance site. That was like the side thing that pays the bills. And then I was like, wait, I need to find clients to like actually do that. And so I started focusing on that. And then the, the travel blog just kind of fizzled into comatose. And it just kind of happened that way. It wasn't an intentional pivot. It just kind of happened on accident. Um, yeah. How did you find the clients? Because that's, you know, that's probably the biggest obstacle that people face when they decide they're going to do something and they're like, yeah, I'm gung ho, I'm doing it. And then they get to that point where, all right, now I actually have to find someone to pay me for this work. What did you do? And what it like right and wrong? If you could give us, Hey, I did this. It didn't work. I did this. It did work. Um, I, I'm st honestly, I'm still experimenting with this, but I have found different clients in different ways. And each time is kind of an individual experience. Um, so I would say keep experimenting with things because you never know what's going to stick with different people. But one of the things I did was do webinars, which just made me more comfortable talking in front of people. Um, and also helped establish my expertise so I could go into Facebook groups and say, hey, I'm doing a webinar. And people would be like, wow, this girl's legit. And uh, I got someone that way. Um, and then I also offered something for free. Uh, that's actually how I got my most consistent client was just by offering something for free. And so I was out there promoting like, hey, I'm offering a month of free content management. And because that was something I was playing with offering and I was kind of testing it. And then um, actually you hired me, Trav. And then also uh, Kara and Nate, the travel vloggers, um, hired me. Um, and that was a little different because I was on their email list and they were uh, looking for someone. They were looking to hire a content manager. And so I was like, oh, heck yeah. And I applied while the same time that I was doing this promo. And um, they went on my website and saw that I had all this extra knowledge, like SEO knowledge and all this other stuff. And uh, because I'd already done webinars and all this stuff, I looked really legit. So they right. wanted to hire me right away. And um, so just by doing all kinds of other things that may or may not have gotten me clients, but it did uh, establish my expertise for future people who saw that I had done those things. And when you um, say you were out there promoting it, you said, all right, I was giving something away for free. I was out there promoting it. What were you using to promote it? Like, how were you promoting this, this free service that you're offering? I would probably do it differently now. Um, at the time, I was mostly promoting it in Facebook groups 
for other online entrepreneurs and bloggers. Um, but I think those that particular audience, people in those Facebook groups, I've realized are mostly newbies. And so they don't have the income to spend on a VA or a content manager. And uh, so if anybody did actually interview me, they were mostly fishing for free instead of uh, like actually like, yeah, let's do a free month and then I'll hire you. Right. Which is not what I wanted. Right. Right. Okay. So you, you wouldn't do that or, or at least you wouldn't, that wouldn't be your main source of promotion. Would there be something that you would recommend that you did that you said, Hey, this, this did work. Um, I would probably, I've, I've built more of an email list now. And so I think I would promote it to my email list and I would also specifically promote it to a network of people who I know have success online and are not newbies, but more of like the higher up and be like, Hey, can you promote this to your peers? Or can you think of anyone who this might benefit? Uh, as opposed to like throwing it out, like spray and pray. Isn't that that phrase, which is kind of what I was doing. <laughs> That's a like, phrase. Yeah, there you it's go. A phrase. So I was like spraying and praying and like hoping the right person would see it and hire me. Um, but instead, I think I probably should have strategically uh, shown it to people who were at the level that I needed. What are you looking for now in a client? Because I know you said in the beginning you had, you know, you have these different skill sets. You kind of do content management, SEO, and they're they're overlapping and somewhat wrapped together. How did you decide what you wanted to offer? Because I think there's a lot of people out there who say, like, well, I could do a little of this and a little of that and a little of that. But sometimes that makes it hard for someone to hire you for a specific thing because they don't know they need all this stuff. They might just need one specific piece of it. So how did you go about like structuring your packages or how do you do it when you work with clients with, you know, figuring out what it is that you're going to do for them? The packages I have on my website are actually, nobody's purchased them yet. So I'm not going to go based on those, but um, I'd say my most successful strategy has been getting in the door on something that people know they need. And then after developing a rapport with these people and they trust me um, and then going forward and saying, well, hey, I noticed you're not doing this. Like, I, that's something I can do for you. And then kind of building on top of that. What has been the thing that usually hits home with people for what they need? Like, the, is there a specific thing that you can that you kind of hang your hat on? Like, all right, I know everyone needs this and they're probably not doing it right. So I'm going to tell them that. And then we'll see all the other stuff that they need me to help them with. Uh, content management has been fairly easy to sell because people don't want to mess with WordPress. Um, but then I also have all this SEO knowledge. So people are willing to hand that over to me because they know that I'm going to do it right. Gotcha. Okay. So you get in the door of the content management or, and that seems to be a thing that a lot of people need myself included, which is what we started working on because yep. maybe you have a website that you've written. I don't know. Five, you would know how many posts. Five years me. of blog yeah. Posts. Five years of blog posts. <laughs> you're like, what? I don't even know what's going on here anymore. It's a monster. Um, okay. So content management is, is something that that usually people can get in the door. What does that, if you like break it down for people who are listening, what does that mean? Like, what do you do for people when it comes to content management? Because that might be a strategy that other people could use to, to like they said, get in the door for other projects as well. Yeah. I, um, so as a content manager, I, 
Um, with one particular client, I coordinate the interview process. So I do written interviews with people that they've asked me to reach out to. Um, so I basically am, am coordinating the whole thing and my person who's hired me doesn't even touch it. Um, I, but in other situations, it would be like they'd written a blog post or an article and then they sent me the Google doc or whatever. And I format it, edit it, upload it, add the images, add the links, add the Amazon affiliate stuff, and then schedule it to publish on the day and then email whoever needs to be let know. Gotcha. So you're acting as, as the, yeah, you're, you're taking everything and making sure it gets done essentially. Yeah, right. Exactly. And, and with the interview part, you're actually then doing the whole, the whole, the whole bit thing. of it from start <laughs> to finish. Okay. Yeah. Pretty cool. Now I want to switch a tiny bit to what the lifestyle is like now, because you said you hated the cubicle job. I mean, I, I guess I'll ask you this question, even though I probably know the answer, like what did you hate about the cubicle job? Yeah. And then what, now has that transition to being like, what does the life look like now that you, now that you're out of the cubicle and working for yourself? Yeah. I mean, the cubicle job was the regular list of things that all of our type tends to hate about cubicle jobs, like being beholden to someone else's goals and schedules and having to ask for permission to go, uh, on vacation or even just take a day off. Also this particular place, sick days and vacation days were the same thing. How dumb is that? Yeah, that that stinks. So you better it believe I'd awful. come into that office like as sick as could be, even if I'm like wheeled in on a stretcher. Like I'm not taking one of these days to, yeah. to just go home and lay and be sick, right? Exactly. Um, but also, um, and this is this is interesting because I was on the phone with clients, customers all the time because it was a call center job. Um, but it wasn't like a random customer service call center. So I was talking to random strangers. It was people that it was the same people every month. And I hated that I couldn't choose my own clients. And I was talking to one client I had, or customer, I'm not going to call them a client, but they were a customer for the company. And his logo was made in paint in 1993. <laughs> and Microsoft he did not paint. understand. You mean Microsoft yeah. paint, right? Okay. I mean Microsoft At first I thought paint. you meant like he painted it. And I'm like, that's no, kind of that cool. No, no, cooler. no. Okay. No, it was made in Microsoft paint. And it said copyright 1993. And I was like, dude, you need to update your logo. And he's like, what are you talking about? This is a great logo. Okay. Like, oh my God. And there were other people that I had to explain what a browser was. And like... This is where the X is to close the window. And I just wanted to pull out my hair every single day. All right. So, all right. So definitely you wanted to get away from the people making Microsoft Paint logos and who didn't know what a browser was. So you wanted to get out of the cubicle job. What does it look like now? And I know I'm not going to say what is, well, I guess I'm going to say it, but you don't have to answer it this way. What is a typical day look like, or is there a typical structure to your day or to your lifestyle? Or is it, are you kind of just like flying by the seat of your pants every day and figuring it out? Kind of flying by the seat of my pants. A lot of pajama days, a lot of, uh, I bought, I, I, uh, Casey for Christmas actually gave me a lap desk, like that I could use in my bed. So my dog can sit in my lap, um, or my foster dog. Um, I don't set an alarm, which is great. I know that's something you value, Trav. That is. That um, is uh, huge for me. Although I have like a built-in alarm now, this little baby, I'm like, oh, oh man. Yeah. But <laughs> uh, still, better, mm-hmm. better than an alarm clock. 
Yes, exactly, exactly. Screaming babies are better than alarm clocks. That's right. <laughs> so so you, you don't wake up to an alarm. Mm-hmm. Like, has it been a hard transition for time management? Because I know that's a thing that a lot of people struggle with when you go off on your own and you can do what you want. You can wear your pajamas. You can wake up when you want. But that also leads you to like having no one over your shoulder telling Lots you that Netflix. you have to do stuff. Yeah. So yeah. have you been able to balance that or, or have you gotten better at balancing it? I've gotten better at balancing it. Um, in the beginning, the first few weeks had a lot of Netflix involved, but uh, I've gotten a lot better at it. Setting a specific goal, like in November, I decided to write an ebook and I didn't know what it was going to turn into or what it was going to look like in the end. So I didn't promote it or do any creation process hype. Um, But I, that in itself gave me a specific like beginning and end point. And so for a week I went to the coffee shop every day and I wrote and that helped a lot. And that actually started triggering a little bit of a new process for me where I, um, and I'm focused a lot on content creation right now. So it's, it's definitely a work in progress, the structure thing. Um, that's kind of my 2018 goal. So, All right. And you, yeah. you mentioned making products then and, mm-hmm. tr- and trying to figure out, like, like transitioning into making more products. What does, uh, you know, what does the future or kind of immediate future look like for you? And, and we're not, we're not going to hold you this because, you know, we know, all know the stuff dovetails and you go all different ways. But what do you see as being... In, in this next year, hey, this is something that I want it to look like when I look at this a year in the future instead of maybe what it is now. Yeah, I'd say in a year, I'd like to have a collection of different ebooks that um, cover different aspects of traffic, content marketing, and SEO. Um, I'm starting, I'm getting really into Instagram, so I really want to incorporate that into my business because it's something I really enjoy. But I'd like to have mostly a low-level product suite and a collection of content that I mostly am am pitching to email and Instagram followers. And then those low-level products for you, would they lead to some like would they lead to getting people on as clients or would those be more, hey, you can take this and learn it on your own um, and and go and do it, you know, basically instead of hiring me, you would go and do it for yourself. Yeah, I I prefer doing that just because I know for me, my brain works best in teacher mode. So I really enjoy teaching people how to do things, but doing them is more of a struggle for me. So I'm trying to pivot more into focusing on that. And then that way you can have as much time as you want, not as much time as you want, but you have time for Netflix and you can batch, right? Is that, is that something that I see as a theme for you, maybe like the fact that you said, all right, I'm going to do this book and I'm going to go and I'm going to write it. And it's going to take me, how long did it take you to, to write a week? Okay. And then you're going to be not done with it, but then you're, you're done one big chunk and mm-hmm. you can put it off to the side and then move on. Is that something exactly. that you like doing like bigger projects in chunks and then moving on? Yeah, I would say so. I've always been really project oriented. When I was growing up, I was really involved in community theater. And so I didn't really have like a social life where I went on play dates and stuff. I had rehearsal after school. And so my life was very like three to four month long project. And then the project ended when the show closed and then I did the next show. And so that's just how my brain's been conditioned. And so that's how I like doing things. What has been for you 
the keys to actually becoming location fan, like taking that step away from the cubicle, A, getting the confidence to actually go and do it, but then B, once you have the confidence to do it, putting it in motion and, and succeeding. What have been the few things, or, or you can rattle off a list that you said, like, this has been invaluable for me. And I think that anyone trying to become location independent without doing this is going to have a very hard time. Community, definitely. Um, with location independent, uh, location indie and my mastermind group, um, I've had an easier time getting out of a lot of mindset ruts, like when things get really desperate and my bank account's looking really low and I know I have to do something. In the past, I would have pivoted to Netflix and hiding under the sheets. And with community of people who understand business, um, as well as this location independent drive and the online world, um, I've been able to like call the people that I need to call and be like, this is where my brain's at. Talk me through this, get me out of it. And that's been invaluable learning, constantly learning. Definitely. I'm constantly buying new eBooks and new e-courses and, uh, reading blogs. And there's definitely a way I, and I have, um, overdone it a little bit where I'm buying like that $1,400 e-course that's going to like change everything. And I really wish I hadn't done that, but, uh, it was the beginning of something and I, it was an important lesson that I needed to learn. And um, yeah, I would say finding those three to five people who are slightly more successful than you and doing what you want to be doing and just follow them like the Bible. I think that's awesome advice. It, it's almost like community two different ways. Like one, mm-hmm. you're a part of a community and they know it, like your mastermind and location and this, that. And the other, it's like, you're just hanging on to someone else who you're emulating. Like it could be a form of community. Like they have no idea you're reading their stuff maybe, or, or maybe they do, but you're like hanging on to them and, and taking it. I think that's so important because we get lost in the information overload. Yeah. You know, there's a thousand courses on every single thing that you want to do out there online. And so if you try to do all of them, like one person says, do this, the other person says, do that. And you're like, wait, these are opposite or, Mm -hmm. or don't jive with each other. And I think if you find the few people that you're like, Hey, they do, they do it in a way that I want to emulate or in a way that I like, and just cling to that and read what they write. And don't worry about what everyone else is saying. I think that is one of the most important things you can do as Absolutely. a as an entrepreneur, especially in the beginning, though, because Absolutely. you want to learn everything because you think you know nothing when you probably know more than you than you actually give yourself credit for. Right, and honestly, too, like those those periods of um, information overload, I wouldn't have found some of the people that I follow and love more than the people I was following in the beginning if I hadn't gone through that phase because that's when you're like, ooh, a new blog, ooh, a new blog, ooh, a new blog. And that's when you find all these people. And then you eventually like pick the ones that you latch onto. I would never have found um, Jason Does Stuff. I would never have found Zen Courses, um, Janelle. And I love her specifically because she she writes, this is so funny, and I've actually emailed her about this, um, but she writes about creating courses. She has like a master's degree in instructional design. And, uh, but she is no hype. She is totally honest. And she acknowledges that like, Hey, this solution might be right for you. And this other solution might be right for someone else. And all positive vibes. And I've emailed her about that. Like, I'm not even creating a course, but I just love reading your stuff because I want to be like you. And so now I'm, I'm finding that I'm shedding some of the other people that I started out following and I'm latching on to 
the and following specifically people who share a lot of my values of like not overhyping and actually sharing real information and stuff like that. Yeah, and I, you you're so right in that you there I think everyone has to go through that period of mm-hmm. just seeing everything out there and jumping from one to another and trying to read it all because that is going to be how you find this person, this person, this person, this person. And then eventually you have to start weaning yourself off and say, ah, yeah, like maybe this was good for me back when I started, but it's not so great now. Or maybe this was never really that good for me, but I was reading it because I was putting other stuff off or I didn't even know who else to read because they came up first in Google or were on every podcast I ever listened to or what have you. Um, but then you do get your core group. Speaking of core groups, I kind of want to end it on this idea of masterminds because you are in like the VIP platinum, awesome, (laughs) crazy, cool mastermind group. And all of you guys are just kicking butt. And I think that it's been, it's no coincidence that every single person in your mastermind that I talked to is like, Hey, what has been helpful for you? My mastermind, my mastermind, mastermind, cause you found a really good one. Can you just speak to a few of the things that you guys do in the mastermind that you found so successful? Like why does the mastermind that you're in work so well? I think that we work so well because we have complementary but not identical skills that we focus on. And I think our brains work in similar ways. Um, so we see we mentally process our business problems in a similar way, um, but still slightly different, like Casey's the organized one. <laughs> and uh, the fact that we started in similar places with different, we started in similar places in our business, but with different areas of knowledge. So we were able to like combine all of our knowledge into a super brain and help each other in that way. And so we started in the same place with extra knowledge and then we've been able to level up together, I think has been a really, really big thing. How important has consistency been? Because I know that's one of the toughest things with mastermind groups or any really anything, but just saying like, we're going to commit to this and actually doing it. I see a lot of people fizz off because it, it starts hot and everyone's like gung ho and a month in or a month and a half in, it's like, I got to miss a meeting. I got to And then by and then no one's showing up and then it's gone. So have you, how have you guys been able to, I guess, fight against that idea that things start hot and then fizzle off? We meet every other week. At first, we were doing every month, and then we noticed some fizzle creeping in, and so we bumped it up to every other week. Okay, that so that's yeah, that's really interesting. You you cut back so that everyone was as like a way to like fight against it proactively, right? Like I yeah. know every week's not going to work all the time mm-hmm. because it's just too much, too busy, but we can all commit to every other week. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Awesome. And then we're also able to keep each other accountable to instead of these big monthly goals, it was like smaller actions that we could hold each other accountable to. Awesome. Yeah, that's great. Well, you guys are a incredible mastermind group and <laughs> uh, one that everyone should look to emulate, myself included. Um, and anyone who's in location indie, as you guys are watching this, you know, if you need mastermind advice, Claire and her mastermind group. I don't know if you guys, do you guys have a name for your mastermind group? The super poopers. This, okay. There, there you go. <laughs> you guys need to, uh, you guys um, get some advice from them. Claire, I just want to say thank you personally um, for all the help that you've had with EPOP and going through and doing some of my content management, totally. but also being such a motivating, inspiring, enthusiastic 
insert adjective that means full of energy uh, person in Location Indy. It's been absolutely awesome to have you in the community and then watch you start, you know, in the beginning, like I'm going to leave, leave your job, start to build your stuff up and just continue, continue, continue to grow. It's been amazing. Thanks. Uh, Location Indy has made a big difference for me. So thank you. Thank you for joining us today on our very special monthly bonus episode where we highlight a Location Indie member and their story. If you're interested in joining Location Indie and learning more about what goes on in our community, check us out at locationindie.com. You can hop on the newsletter and be the first to know when the community opens up again. We'll chat with you soon. See you next time. Peace.